Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everybody. This is Father Craig Vosick. I am your host this morning on Real Presence Live, coming to you from the beautiful University of Mary, atop of the hill, just south of Bismarck, North Dakota. We are having a glorious fall. We are having um, glorious days here at the university. Everybody's getting smarter by the by the day. It's fantastic. Uh, so I'm delighted. It's been a really, really, really long time since I've hosted Real Presence Live, and I'm delighted. They let me back in the door. I snuck in. They weren't watching. And I snuck in the back door. So I'm here with you this morning and I'm delighted. We're going to start with a prayer, as we always do. And then I'm going to tell you something and then we're going to say another prayer because I have a couple prayer requests and I'm going to take advantage of your generosity and your prayerful hearts uh, for two particular priest friends of mine. So anyway, we'll start our, our, our program with a prayer and then I'll fill you in on another prayer request. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your providential love for us, the ways in which you govern over all things, sustaining us and drawing us back to yourself through your Son in the power of your Holy Spirit. May this time be a blessing. May this time be a blessing for many souls to hear of the goodness of who you are and the life-saving message of your Son. Please bless this time. Let these words go out to reach so many hearts and souls wherever they may find themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I'm not going to leave you hanging on this. So I'm going to get right to this prayer request. I have two dear friends. So I'm a priest of the Diocese of Crookston, which if you don't know what that is, I don't blame you. It is this tiny little... Uh, hidden place in northwest Minnesota. But anyway, that's the diocese that I hail from. I'm in Bismarck right now, but I'm from there. Anyway, uh, we are few and we are proud in the Diocese of Crookston, but two of our priests are sick with COVID, and I want to bring them to you for your prayers. Uh, and they've, I think I have permission to share this information with you. Anyway, uh, Father Adam Hamness, my dear friend, uh, uh, has been hospitalized for three weeks. I'll say a little bit more about that. And then my dear friend, Father Brian Cuiava. Uh, so Father Hamness, I think, is maybe... I'm 37, I think Hamness is 36. Cujo, my, my dear friend, Father Cuiava, uh, he's maybe 35, maybe 34. Anyway, uh, it seems like Father Cuiava's doing all right. He's actually stuck in New York. He was visiting a, a religious community in New York where he has a friend, and, and he just uh, he's edified by that community. And... Um, Anyway, so he's there, he was trying to get home, but then he caught COVID, so now he's laid up. And he's not feeling well at all, as you might suspect, uh, with people that get bit by COVID. Now, so we're going to pray for Father Brian Cuiava, but first I'm going to tell you about Father Adam Hamness. Father Adam Hamness, um, to be honest with you, three weeks ago when he caught this, uh, it was not looking good at all. He, he got put onto a respirator, it was at max ventilation, it wasn't keeping up, his heart was struggling, he was uh, in a coma. We were preparing for Father Hamness's death, and I'm not exaggerating that. Uh, it was bleak. Uh, somehow, somehow, 
through the skill of uh, many doctors and nurses and uh, technologies and advancements and understanding how to fight against COVID and all the different things and all the prayers, uh, he has um, he is now conscious and breathing mostly on his own. So he, it appears, is on the mend, but he's got a long journey ahead of him. So anyway, I'm, I know there's lots of people with COVID. I know there's a lot of people that are struggling with all these things. So we'll gather all of our prayers, but in particular, if you would join me for praying, in particular for Father Hamnes, who has been gravely ill, um, and for Father Brian Cuiava, my dear friend, who also is laid up with COVID, gather all the people that you know uh, as well, and let's offer another prayer um, for for healing and for God's kindness to shine upon them. Heavenly Father, we turn to you and we ask uh, for your care. We ask for healing to come, in particular to Father Adam Hamnes and to Father Brian Cuiava and to all those others that we now name to you, that you would come with your care, your consolation, your compassion, your mercy, uh, that you would bring healing, uh, that you would do something inside that begins the healing process for so many people. We ask for the intercession of St. Raphael, the great angel of healing, for his intercessory prayer. Uh, we ask for the great high priest Jesus Christ to show mercy to his priests, uh, that they may suffer well with him and be brought to health by his merits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I thank you. I'm taking total advantage of your generosity and your prayers, friends. So thank you so much. Uh, thousands of people around the uh, listening audience uh, praying for Father Hamnes and Father Brian Cuiava. It is a balm to my heart, and I know to their families as well. So anyway, that is the first thing that I wanted to get squared away. The next thing I want to square away is a couple of things that are happening. I'm in the Diocese of Bismarck, as I mentioned. I'm at the University of Mary. I'm on loan from my Diocese of Crookston. I've been working as a chaplain in the athletic department. They erroneously call me the athletic chaplain, as if I'm the chaplain who is athletic, uh, in compared to Father Dominic Bauck, who's not the athletic chaplain. We can call him the unathletic chaplain, I guess. But that's not true at all. I'm not athletic chaplain. I am a chaplain of athletics. It means nothing about my uh, vertical, even though my vertical is pretty good. It means nothing about my 40 sprint. My 40 sprint's pretty good, though. It means nothing about my bench press. My bench press is pretty good, though, let me tell you. Anyway, I'm here, and uh, we're celebrating something really marvelous here today. Uh, bishop David Kagan, the bishop of the Diocese of Bismarck, Ten years ago today, if I have it right, ten years ago today was installed as the Bishop of Bismarck, this feast of St. Andrew. Ten years ago. So uh, we're celebrating him. We're thanking God for his diligent shepherding of the Diocese of Bismarck. He has been an excellent shepherd uh, for the people here. The priests uh, serve him. Uh, and uh, they're with him regularly. There is a great bond. I have been, as an, as an outsider, I can say as an outsider, I'm from a different diocese, I've had the privilege of, of seeing uh, the way that the priests are with each other and with their bishop, and it's really quite lovely. There's a, there's a, a beautiful fraternity. There's a lot of uh, mutual esteem and respect. Um, there's clearly an understanding of uh, brothers co-working in the vineyard. Um, so anyway, as an outsider, I just think it's really precious. So we're celebrating Bishop Kagan today. You can remember him in your prayers uh, as we celebrate the Feast of St. Andrew. St. Andrew, um, St. Andrew, he's, an, he's a really beautiful character. We should maybe talk about him just for a moment. St. Andrew, as we know, uh, was the one who met Jesus and then brought his brother, this little insignificant guy, who we call Peter. Oh, yeah. So Andrew finds Peter 
and tells Peter, you got to meet this guy. So Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. And then then there's not a whole lot that Andrew does after that. It's like Peter takes over. I don't know if Andrew was mad about that or not. But uh, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, Peter who becomes the first pope. Pretty magnificent. And I do know that in our depictions of St. Andrew, uh, he is depicted in his glory, his death, his martyrdom, his participation in the sufferings of Christ to be glorified with him through suffering, uh, depicted crucified as his Lord is, but his cross was in the shape of an X rather than in the shape of a, you know, a T or a cross. You know. uh, it was in the shape of an X, and tradition holds that he didn't feel... Uh, worthy to be crucified the same as his Lord. And so the cross was put uh, in the shape of an X, and he was crucified that way. But he he participated in the same crucifixion, but just in a slightly different way to um, not worthy to be crucified the same way as his Master and Lord. So that's St. Andrew. Uh, he's, he's in St. Peter's Basilica, right by the papal altar. The, isn't that beautiful? The, the, uh, the Basilica of St. Peter has his brother, Andrew, just right next to him in a beautiful statue uh, within the, kind of in the altar area. And he's, and he's crucified with this kind of wooden X cross, but it's marble, but it looks like, you know, it's really beautiful. So that's Andrew Peter himself crucified as well, uh, but he crucified upside down. Again, tradition holds that he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord, even though he wanted to participate in his sufferings the same way and to be glorified. Isn't it beautiful? These, these apostles, they, um, gosh, I'm sure they were afraid to die. Maybe they weren't. But they, um, they, they so loved the Lord and they, they knew him so intimately. They, they knew the power of his life, his death, and his resurrection so, so powerfully that they were, they were willing to participate in his, his life the same way he did, his death the same way that he did, willing to be crucified the same as their master for the spread of the gospel for the salvation of souls. So that's absolutely stupendous and magnificent. We're celebrating St. Andrew today. What else can I tell you? They've given me a whole half hour, so I mean, I'm, I want to tell you all about my life, really, but I think I should stick to, stick to some points here. Um, last night, I think we're going to get into this. I'm going to gather up my friend Karen here. Uh, last night, uh, I had the great privilege um, to go to the Real Presence banquet. There's banquets going on left and right all, and uh, across the listening area right now for people to celebrate Catholic Radio and to garner uh, even more increased and new support for this great apostolate for salvation of souls through the radio. So I was at this beautiful banquet last night and Steve Ray was in full effect. This guy, if you haven't heard him, he is crazy. Uh, Steve, if you're listening, you might be listening. He's probably listening. Steve, when I say crazy, I don't mean crazy. Uh, you'd probably be okay with me calling you crazy. He is fired up, people. That's what I mean. He is fired up, and he was on full display last night sharing his conversion story. So, Karen, what did you think of last night? It was beautiful, huh? Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yep. it was so great. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, we were at the event center. This is a big place. Uh, what are we talking with numbers? I mean, not that it's all about numbers, but what are we talking uh, at a banquet like this? We had uh, at least 90 tables and close wow. to 700 people. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a room full, packed of people uh, with a beautiful meal. And then Steve Ray ripped, uh, ripped a good one uh, last night. He, he, shared, um, he shared, I thought, in such beautiful fashion from the perspective of who he was as a Baptist, what he was trying to do. <laughs> 
it was so great. He, he was uh, saying, well, I got to get these Catholics out of the Catholic Church. I need to save them. I need, I need to bring them to Jesus. They need to get out of that Pope Church, all these different things. And, uh, and he, was, he said he got hung up on three things as he was pursuing the scriptures. Uh, and he was just trying to figure out how he's going to convert all the Catholics out of Catholicism so that they can become Christians um, and Bible believers. He, started, he was looking at the Bible, studying it so hard. And then he got hung up on three different things. The first one uh, that was at the, at the petition of his wife, which was they're going to church, they're experiencing worship, and she's like, I'm so tired of just listening to someone preach for on and on and on and on and then calling that worship. That's not worship. That's a sermon. And uh, so she was kind of starting this journey. Um, and then they started studying and they started looking into the fathers of the church and different things. And he said it really eloquently through a lot of passion uh, last night. But they, he said, uh, in the early church, in the earliest churches, uh, in, inside of a church, you didn't see a pulpit in the center. There was an altar in the center of every ancient early church. There was, a, there was an altar. And at the altar, there was a priest. So that was the first thing. The second thing, uh, was as he's looking at scripture, he's seeing uh, 20,000 different churches that are looking at the Bible with no authoritative structure. And who's the last word on how to interpret the scripture? Well, the scriptures are, right? Well, that's the problem, he said. When I'm looking at the scriptures and I come to the same understanding, if my buddy came to a different understanding and he's got 10 verses and I've got five verses, uh, then, well, he, I guess he wins because he's got more verses or something. And it's like, that's a chaotic way of understanding biblical interpretation. So it's like, well, what, what is the deal? And he came to discover that the Catholic Church has a pope, a final, a final place for resting with authority among the apostles. And he said, in, in uh, Protestantism, in his church, um, everybody was a pope. Because everybody was the last word. Everybody got to decide, here's what, here's what the scripture really means, because I said so. Uh, so he went into that. So he's talking about worship. He was talking about authority and interpreting scripture and the Pope. And then how many churches? He asked this question, how many churches did Jesus start? And he found out that he started one church. And it was based on the apostles who passed on that authority t through the laying on of hands to the bishops, who have passed on that authority through the laying on of hands all throughout the centuries. And he did this beautiful thing on the eve of Bishop Kagan's uh, anniversary. He said, Bishop Kagan is a true apostolic man because someone laid their hands on his head and someone laid their hands on those guys' head and some bishop laid their hands on those bishops' heads all the way back to the apostles. And that was powerful. That was powerful last night. I mean, I'm a priest. I know this theologically, but to be there last night as Steve Ray, this convert who has discovered this truth, is looking down upon Bishop Kagan on the eve of his 10th anniversary, celebrating his apostolic ministry in Bismarck, surrounded by dozens of his priests who are apostolic men as well, through the laying on of hands by the bishop. I was just sitting in the back, tucked in the corner, sipping on my Cabernet Sauvignon, saying, this is fantastic. I had tears in my eyes. I was so edified. It was such a glorious evening. So anyway... I'm getting, the, I'm getting someone telling me to cut it off. i got to cut it off. I guess we got to go to a break. Fine, we'll go to a break. But i got more to say, people. i got more to say. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I'm going to keep telling you all the things I need to tell you today. And then we'll get into some good programming. All right, so stay with us. This is Real Presence Live. This is Father Craig Vosick, your host. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hello, hello again. This is Father Craig Vosick continuing as your host on Real Presence Live at a bright, sunshiny morning atop the hill at the University of Mary. I tell you what, I've got a lot of things in my head. I haven't been hosting for a while, so I've got lots to say, but I should say this. We're going to have Dr. Carl Sovak. He's going to be in the house. He's a professor here at the University of Mary. He's coming up in the next segment. John Berger, a great faithful man in the diocese, is going to be talking as well a little bit later in the program. And Father Maurice Mello, uh, who's written a couple books and been going around talking about it on national networks all over the place, he's going to be on the show as well. So if you're like, get this priest out of my way and get to the real programming, well, they're coming up, but you stay with me, people. I want to talk... Uh, in homage to Steve Ray, who last night was making fun of Catholics, as the joke always goes, he said, well, I was a, I was a Bible-believing Baptist, and I went up to Catholics, and I told them all the, all the, all the scripture verses uh, of why they shouldn't be Catholic, and all the scripture verses as to why they should become a Baptist, and all the scripture verses as to why they weren't Christian, and guess what? Never in any of my days did any of them have any defense from the scriptures. Why? Because they don't read the Bible. So, of course, he makes that joke, and everybody's laughing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not laughing, because I don't think it's funny anymore. I really don't think it's funny. I don't know why Catholics think that they don't need to read the Bible. This is crazy. So anyway, we're going to do a little Bible, a uh, little Bible study right now. I gave a talk. I was uh, privileged to uh, be the presenter of the gospel, which means uh, to give the um, 
the gospel message at our ecumenical uh, gathering we have every week at the University of Mary. I was the uh, keynote speaker yesterday, and I was able to present the message of the gospel, and I'm just going to walk you through it as I gave it yesterday, because we need to know this stuff. We need to know this stuff. I'm in the letter to the Romans. This is St. Paul writing to the Romans, chapter 5. In chapter 5, we have the gospel of our salvation. I'm going to say some things that are going to sound really bad. And uh, the reason why they sound really bad is because our past is really bad. It's so bad that we needed a Savior. That's what I mean. And you, we get that, right? Like, we needed a Savior. It's not just like it was helpful to have a Savior. Like, we needed a Savior. And we got to get this deep inside of our brains and our hearts. And we need to speak about it regularly as Catholics because Jesus is our salvation. So this is in Romans chapter 5. It struck me so much. I was on a 30-day retreat uh, this past summer. 30 days. Can you imagine that? 30 days in silence? Yeah, it was awesome. That's why I'm talking so much right now, because I was so quiet all summer. So, in Romans chapter 5, listen to this. There's going to be four words you're going to hear. Helpless, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Yeah, bad news. Let me tell you, this is really bad news. But there's going to be great news in the midst of it. Now listen. Helpless, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Verse number 6. While we were yet helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? One will hardly die for a righteous man, even perhaps for a good man one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved. Okay, so I said a lot of words, but what were the four things that St. Paul said about who we were and the situation that we found ourselves in collectively and individually as humans prior to the saving death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? We were helpless to attain salvation. We were ungodly. We were in the category of sinners. And we were enemies of God. That is like the worst news you could ever hear. But we have to understand that. We have to understand that terrible, terrible, terrible news because it's terribly true that this is where we found ourselves and this is why the, the gospel of our salvation is absolutely necessary. Because if I'm going to get into heaven, if you're going to get into heaven, you have to either be God or you have to be like God. You either have to be God, which is never going to happen, as much as my sister and my brother think that they are. I don't know. They're, they're pretty prideful. You either have to be God or you have to be like God. And the scripture says that we were ungodly. That means we were not like God. So if we are ungodly, not like God, that means we can't get into heaven unless somehow there's a principle inside of us that can get us there. So maybe there's something in my heart, something in my mind, something inside of me that can just decide, no, I'm going to become like God. Well, here's what Paul says. Not only are we ungodly, and so we can't get in, we're also helpless to get there. We're helpless. We were helpless. There was nothing inside of myself that I could do that would make me again like God after sin so that I could inherit heaven. And this helplessness was manifested by re repetition of sinning, and in the midst of all this, because I was doing all of this, I was considered an enemy of God. This is such bad news. 
But so let's go back into the passage here real quick. Go back into the passage. What does Paul say? We were helpless. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies. But now he says that something happened. And now he says that we have been justified. That's one word he uses. Another one he says, we have been saved. And a third one, he says, we have been reconciled. Justified means that there is a change within me that turns me back to become like God. I am now like God again. I was ungodly and now I am like God. You are like God again. And that I have been saved from eternal damnation and saved for eternal destination of blessing. So I've been justified, I've been made like God, I have been saved, rescued from the pit, and and now I have the promise of heaven. And thirdly, I have been reconciled, which means if I was estranged, I was an enemy. To be reconciled means I'm no longer seen as an enemy, but I'm seen as a friend, even a member of a family, to inherit the promise again. So I was helpless, ungodly, I was a sinner and I was an enemy. Something happened where now I am justified, saved, and reconciled. And three times, let me see, one, two, three, is there a fourth one? At least three times. Here's what St. Paul says changed it. While we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, Why one would hardly die for a righteous man, even though for a good man one might even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, it goes on, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. So much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So I was helpless, I was ungodly, I was a sinner, and I was an enemy. The death of Jesus Christ occurred. He rises from the dead, and now I'm justified, saved, and reconciled. That, friends, is the gospel of our salvation. And you don't even need to know the whole Bible for this. You don't need to know the whole Bible. This is, I've just been looking at five verses from Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. And 11 finishes off really nicely as well. Five verses. The entire gospel of our salvation. We were totally lost. Now we're totally found. And what took place was the death of Jesus Christ for us. Because God loves us. Okay, memorize that. Romans chapter 5. That's a good one to memorize. I'm telling you, that is good stuff. Hopefully Steve Ray is listening right now. And hopefully he's like, Father Craig Vosick, you are the man. You are a Catholic who's reading the Bible. That's exactly right. And I listen to the Pope too, because I'm a good Catholic. So anyway... That's all that. That's the gospel of our salvation. I was so pleased to be able to, uh, to present that um, yesterday to the entire student body uh, at the University of Mary. Um, and so there's, there's kind of two different places that people find themselves in that. I'll finish with this. There's, there's people that I call the presumers. And they're a person that as they hear this message, they're like, well, duh. Well, duh. Duh. Duh, I'm, uh, I'm saved. Duh, I'm going to heaven. Duh, all oh, this has happened. Of course Jesus died for me. I was totally worth it. Of, I mean, I'm a good person. Um, of course I'm going to go to heaven because of what Jesus did. And, um, and, but that happened a long time ago, so we shouldn't get so excited about it. Um, this person I call the presumer because when they hear the gospel of their salvation, they're just kind of like, yeah, heard that before. And it's like... What do you mean? How could you respond to the, the, to the everlasting saving message of your soul with, 
Yeah, I've heard that before. I think that's really pathetic. So I think there's a whole group of people that are just still stuck in that realm. Where they're just like, well, of course, it happened 2,000 years ago. It's just kind of matter of fact. I was baptized as a baby. I'm good to go. I don't need to hear about this. Like, well, that's, that's not cool. On the other end of the spectrum, I think there's a whole group of people that I would call the despairers. And when they hear this message, they say, yeah, I do know that Jesus died. And I do know he was raised from the dead. And I do know that he is supposedly saving the whole world, but not me. I'm, I'm too bad for that. Uh, I, I've done too many bad things. I don't, there's no hope for me. Uh, and so they hear it, and then they despair, because they're like, um, yeah, I know it happened in the past, but I haven't, since I haven't experienced it, and I don't think I deserve it, then it's kind of like still a future thing for them. Like the cross is still in their future somehow because they just haven't experienced it. They're, this, they're the despairers. And so you need to hear this, people. If you're one of the despairers out there, Jesus didn't just die for those who were worthy of it or those who were good or those who deserved it or those who somehow merited it or those who had their act together or those who were pretty or those who had money or those who said the right things or those who dressed, whatever. He didn't just die for a certain class of people. Christ died for all. Not only that, but he died for the ungodly. So if you're like, I'm totally ungodly. Well, guess what? He died for you. You say, no, I'm helpless. Well, guess what? It says we were helpless and he died for me. Yeah, but I'm a sinner. Yep, he died for sinners. Yeah, but I feel like I'm an enemy of God. Yep, he died for enemies. He died for the helpless. He died for the ungodly. He died for the sinners and he died for the enemies. That's who he died for, so don't despair. The third class of people so you've got the presumers, you've got the despairers. The third class of people is what we need. We need people that hear it. And I call them the receivers. They hear it and they say, that message is awesome and that message is for me. That message is absolutely for me and I'm going to receive it and I'm going to respond. It's going to become personal. It's going to become present and I'm going to respond with praise. That should be our response. Anyway, you done listening to me, people? Everybody turned off the radio. Turn them back on. We've got good people coming on. We've got guests coming on that are going to be great. We're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Carl Silvac about what he's up to here at the University of Mary. Stay with us. Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 